Before we start, you know, this, this uh, you know at least the way it starts off. You'll probably cite most of it on your own. But uh, the, the way it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it goes on. If you're going to be just a bit more, I hope this isn't famous last words. This, this has a potential to be a nice short sermon. But again, it might be famous last words. I think it's going to be from where I stand a fairly straightforward and, and abbreviated sermon. So, where I want to start off here this morning, though, is to talk about the idea of shepherding. Shepherding. You know, shepherding is one of the uh, lowest occupations that someone can have, with all due respect to the shepherds of the state. A few years ago, I was in Israel, right? And I was with Israel with a bunch of guys. Now, you know, you can get to Israel anyway with a spouse, with a bunch of ladies, with a bunch of guys. I don't even go, that's fine. But my very sweet memory going with a bunch of guys, the reason being is because we do two things that a mixed group couldn't do. For instance, we decided to go through Hezekiah's tunnel uh, in this much water, pitch dark. This is not a normal tourist attraction. This is a, in fact, a dangerous thing because we came up in a, what do you call a neighborhood, a Palestinian neighborhood. And the guy wouldn't go with us. He said, when you get there, on the other side, make sure you have a lot of dollar bills and don't take the lot out and have a dollar bill. And as people begin to, he said, you're going to come out, you're going to need to the hill, and down the hill on the bus we wait, and we'll take off uh, from there. So it was scary quite a time. Another time, this is what I want to talk about. Another time, we went on a hike up the Wadi Caltrits on the way between Jericho and Jerusalem to the, the guys that I, I think they'd like to take this hike. We said, we're up for it. All guys, you know, we're up for it. So we started this hike and got a beautiful monastery built in the back side of the wilderness, like five miles away from anything. It was an incredible downstairs trail. And we went to five, and I found these two boys about the coat's age, shepherds. Shepherds. So they were out watching probably their family's sheep. They were probably 40 sheep uh, between the two boys. And I, 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 I learned a little from these boys. First of all, they tried to trade me. They had a dead raven that they had caught on a stick, and they wanted my head. And so we, we had a serious language barrier. But uh, I, ended up, I didn't want their raven, but they were trying to trade it. And I'm like, well, you keep your raven, but here's my head, okay? And so when I watched them, we stopped and watched the shepherd. They, they shepherded by throwing stones to keep the group together. And they just throw stones from here to Dave's house and hit a mailbox. They were incredible shots. They would embarrass any uh, major league. But here's these kids that go to the side of just throwing rocks at the, at the wayward sheep, keeping them all together. But shepherding in, in maybe that culture even now, but particularly back in David's day, was a very basic vocation. The guy who watched, watched sheep. In fact, I want to draw your attention to, you know, to turn here, what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you remember. Uh, Samuel went to the, to, to the town of Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, because the Lord said, there you will find the king that I'm going to use to replace David, I mean uh, Saul. And so Samuel went, knocked on uh, Jesse's door, hi, I'm Samuel, I'm here to find the next king of Israel. And of course, this would tickle uh, Jesse to think that he was going to find him among his sons. So he brought out the oldest, the tallest, the most handsome one, and said, and, and Samuel liked what he saw, but in Samuel's heart, God said, mm, 
And so they did all the signs. And uh, Jesse was like, well, that's it, man. And uh, Samuel said, Samuel's hearing from the Lord a little bit as a prophet would. He said, well, isn't there any more? And then, and then there's this little verse down there. I see, I, and, and I see Glad's looking for it. And he will find it. And maybe you can say what the address of the verse is. And, 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 and uh, Jesse said, well, well, there is one more, my youngest kid, but he's out shepherding. Yeah, he's only, in other words, the inference there is he's only a shepherd. He's a kid, and he's only a shepherd. What would you want? You know, you're talking about king here. He's only a shepherd. He's out there watching the sheep. Samuel says, I'm not going to sit down until you finish. So they brought him in, and immediately the Spirit of the Lord um, spoke to Samuel and said, This is the one, you know, and only him king over issues. So it went from shepherd. The reason I brought that up is because the very beginning of this, the Lord is my shepherd. I want that to sink in a little bit. When we say the Lord, we're talking about the Lord God creator of the universe, that he would condescend himself. You know, it should read, the Lord is my serious big major boss and absolute king, whom I will bow down and give homage to throughout eternity. But instead, the Lord is pictured through a shepherd himself, who was king, but through a shepherd himself, the Lord allowed himself to be viewed as a shepherd. You know, that's coming really down to the ranks of everything he could have been seen as, as some kind of human being, to try to identify. In other words, David is helping us identify with God in a way. How, how is God to be identified with? And he could have chosen everything. The Lord is my mighty warrior, whom I will follow into battle. The Lord is my great king, as I said, no, no, no. The Lord, but the Lord is my shepherd. And though it's a lowly uh, occupation, and yet the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, told him to communicate my relationship with my people this way. I am their shepherd. They are my people. One of the things I want you to see as you look at, we bump through the verses real quick, is, and I believe this is important for an industrious culture like our own. We're a pull yourself up by your own boots kind of culture, most of us. And unfortunately, we've seen change that don't get together. Uh, but we're a pull yourself up by your own boots kind of culture, make your own way, work hard and you can do it, and I still believe in those efforts. Um, though I say they're under attack. And, and, and that leads into our Christianity. Our, by that I mean that I think sometimes we overcomplicate our relationship with God. And we think that, gosh, if I'm not just working real hard at it, it's probably not happening. If I'm not maintaining it, if I'm not causing it to be, if I'm not doing my part, then this is going to fly apart the scenes. And one of the things I want to see about the 23rd Psalm is the Lord is our shepherd, we are his sheep. And he is doing the doing. I want you to know that maybe, maybe the number of us are very close. Maybe 8% of everything that has to do with your walk with God, catch us and don't miss it. And allow it to, let this be the bone you chew on this week, okay? 98% of everything having to do with your relationship, your right relationship with God, is his doing. 
he teach, he protects, he provides you. All he it was him on the cross for you. It was him that called us for being in grace. While you were desperately lost, and the farthest thing from your mind was to be thinking about wanting to be saved. God was hunting for you. He was looking for you. He was looking for you. And his activity in your salvation didn't stop when you said at an altar or, or behind a steering wheel or wherever you gave your heart and life to Christ. His activity didn't stop. Even today, he is the good shepherd and you are bad. You're just the sheep in this pasture, and he is taking care of you. Your only job is to, okay, don't be insulted. Your only job is to not be a wild animal. Notice it's a shepherd with sheep. Think about sheep for a minute. They're not, they're not lions. They're not wolves. They're not a lot of other animals. They're sheep, okay? No insult intended. They're fairly dim-witted. Uh, they're known to be followers. Well, you better be careful when you're the shepherd because if there's a cliff and, and a little bird starts going and one sheep goes over, the other sheep don't stop and say, we just lost numbers one, two, three, and four down the cliff. We should stop. They will just keep going right over the cliff one after another. So that's where you're going to not throw the rocks real good, you know, and stop the sheep from going over the cliff. So they're getting they need guidance. They need someone to provide a little something to eat. They need someone to protect them from the wolves. They need someone to keep them safe, in other words. They're just sheep. They're not wild animals. I guess my first point I want to make is make sure your character is that of a sheep and not that of a wild animal. Because if we're not careful, uh, we, we can have a mind of our own. And, and we're not we're no longer a domesticated little sheep that you'd like to have out in your yard. We're, we're a bit of a billy goat that tears stuff up and, and whatever. So let's let's keep uh, keep looking here. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not be in want. I kind of already talked about that. You know, when you put your trust in the shepherd, one of the first things that happens is you come to the realization that it's his. Responsibility is my shepherd to take care of my every need. Let me tell you something. There's something tremendously uh, rewarding and uh, relaxing, I guess is the word I want to say about that. Takes the edge off. Don't want to talk a lot, a lot about it, but so this last year, since January one, and I had a lot on our plate, some of which has been to worry about tomorrow because things are different this year than they've ever been before in terms of. Uh, to be honest with you, with cash flow, with whatever it is, a lot of judgments to be made. And for me to know, this is not a personal testimony, for me to know that that's really not my problem, I've got to be faithful and careful with what he puts before me. But at the end of the day, as long as I'm faithful, as long as I'm a good sheep, I'm a chef. And I'm a faith something. He, if two years ago, to get me far away from it, if two years ago you would have said, look, this is going to be your income stream. You told me a concrete number to land. I would say, out of hand, we could never do it. That's, you know, my, at first blush, I would say, we could never do it. And it amazes me. It amazes one. And we just look at each other in amazement. How about this week? Uh, please don't wait between the lines of someone trying to, uh, what I say, yeah, make this happen again. This week, old friends that we haven't seen for a long time, Sent us a card. Yeah. Pentecostal card. 
special for her. And, and it came at a time where, and I think this be a testimony too. Um, so um, we picked this dryer, and as it turns out, it was bought in the day when we weren't so worried about things. So it's a sophisticated dryer. Sophisticated dryers are great, they work, but ours completely broke down. It squeaked in like the devil himself, and it wasn't that he knew. It needed to be troubleshot. It might be the brain, it might be a sensor, or it might be the element. And I know how to fix an old fashioned dryer, which the next one we get will probably be an old fashioned dryer that I know how to fix. But we had to call the experts. They just don't have to agree with all of say. So, right, did we get that card before or after the expert came? I think the day before. See how God was good to me because if it came the day after, I would have been all worked up. But it came the day before, and I went and told one of the the bill on this is three hundred something dollars. And she said, "Don't forget, Paul, credit card, credit card, card." Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And we're looking for us. I mean, that stuff wasn't happening when we were fully mission capable. You know, thinking that we were providing all for ourselves, we weren't enjoying any of the green pastures. We were just, you know, thinking we were uh, providing for ourselves and. And, and the Lord, uh, he's just so good to us. So I want you to really notice in verses 2 through 6, who's doing the doing. I, I, before we leave, I shall not want, whether it's physically, spiritually, whatever, to the degree you allow yourself to be the sheep and him to be the shepherd, you are not going to be in want. You're not going to be uh, in need. The Lord is going to take care of you. He makes me to lie down, verse 2, in green pastures. He leads me besides uh, the, the, the quiet water. You know, the green pastures, that's where the sheep eat. And uh, it's the shepherd's job to bring them to a place to eat. They don't know. If they, I don't know whether I guess they eat it all the way down to the ground and they need to move on. Apparently that's the way it goes. But you hear about shepherds having to move their sheep along to a new place. Uh, but you know, as I thought about that, I looked at this verse, I thought, well, what do we eat? And it's that we, we eat, and I don't want to preach about this one time and whatever, but, you know, let me just say these are the green pastures. The beautiful thing about scripture is you can nibble a little, or you could you could get your 10 pH uh, ten doctor degrees, right? And even then you couldn't dig in. This is both a little puddle that you'd be safe in to, to satisfy your needs, or or the big, deep, you know, unsoundable ocean depth worth of stuff. So he allowed him to feed you uh, his word, the green patches, the, the quiet waters. I'm thinking about, you know, the Spirit of God is often uh, talked about in terms of waters, and, and, and he, he, he satisfies our every need. In verse 3, he restores my soul, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, all of us go through dry times, and that word restore, we need restoration. We, we don't just, it's not when a bank day won't work. We don't, we don't just need it to scowl and go away. We need complete restoration. And God is in the business of seeing our need. If we will be sheep, notice, and I'm repeating myself, notice who's doing the doing. Our duty here, he's going to restore us. Our duty, to be good sheep and allow him to restore us. See, if you get where you, you go, Needing restoration. And I don't want to talk to some about like psychologists or doctors or whatever. If you can get help.
some of these. Okay, I'll let you pat on the board, but there are times when, okay, we're going back to yesterday again in our tough time at the hospital. All the team sources and all the team men couldn't put Terry out together. There are times when your crimes have to be in agony to God. God, and if, if, if God is, it, it's not going to be your plan to do a miracle here, then what the help we need is strength. Because this is going to be a very, very heavy load on little boys, on husband, on mom and dad, brother, sister, and all that stuff. And, and so, but to the degree that we depend on the Lord, it's to the degree that He will restore us. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, probably the highest promise of all, the most heartening thing for me is all of all, is no matter how difficult our situation would we get. Let me, let me hit the pause button and just compare that with you today. I'm used to when things get really hairy for people bailing out. You know, people, you know, sometimes you find a friend that never bails out on you, that will stick with you through thick and thin, but it's not unusual for the people that are just friends and not super duper uber friends. You, you know, they're just friends. When it gets so thick, it, it gets to the point where people just start disappearing. You know, you end up finding yourself very alone, particularly uh, if, if the trial is a relationship. I choose to pick on my brother. Um, we don't know and may never meet. They don't travel down. They don't travel all like this very much. So I'll have a class a little bit about Steve. Steve had a good network of friends, of which I was one because of his brother. And I'm talking about something I'm a little ashamed of. So I wish I was one as his brother. And Steve, we have all different kinds of travel. We have health travels, we have financial troubles, we can have career troubles, we can have relationship troubles. Each one hurt and attacked us in a unique way. So my brother Steve uh, was married to a gal that wanted to have a very friend with, her name was Janice, and worked it out that uh, they were going to get a divorce. Steve had a good network of friends, Steve and Janice had a good network of friends. And divorce is a terrible thing. It's very, very sad, very, very difficult, very, very heavy, very, very trying. And that's the point I want to make this morning. It's trying not only on the dear people that are working through it, but you get to see who your friends are. And I'm embarrassed to say that I guess I wasn't Steve's good friends because I thought we were good friends because I wasn't judging and complaining. And so instead, my father. Oh, and I don't get me crying. I'm, I'm so ashamed that with my own brother, I couldn't just say, Stephen, you know, I, I guess I just can't imagine the pain that you're going through. And I'm sorry, but you need to know this. At the end of the day, I am your brother. And I love you. And I don't understand what's going on. And maybe I'm not supposed to understand. But you need to know that I will never leave you. I will always be your brother. You can always count on me. If we need to go out, and, and bowl a string of bowling or, or hit 
Cliff was, you do doing what? I can't believe it. I don't want anything to do. You, you, you show up saying, you know this is wrong. And judgments. Fiery fire judgments you can have. And I don't want you to condemn me, and I don't want to be condemned anymore. You know, the end of my brother, I brought it up in Steve. Steve's wanting to cleanse his kid. It's a kid. It's a kid. You see, different trials we go through test the friendships that we have. My point in this is, while human friends may evaporate, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I'm glad it doesn't say stick it as a brother because I was a puny brother. Didn't do my job right. I'm ashamed of it. I apologize to it. Didn't do my job right. I goofed it. In the hour that I should have kept my judgment to myself, he knew better. He, he grew up under the same roof I grew up. I wasn't telling him that they knew. He didn't need a refresher course in something that I had to tell him. What he needed was a, a friend that stuck, stuck close like a brother should. And I'm glad the Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. My point is this. You go through your trial, whichever kind it is. Your earthly friends start not talking anymore, or worse, keep talking, but now instead of with you and for you, maybe you learn they talk against you. That's very painful. Read Psalm 55, where, where the psalmist said, you know, I could have handled it if my enemies, I'm, I'm grossly paraphrasing, but, but this is what it says, I could have handled it if, 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 if my enemies were talking smack against me, but no, it is my friends, those ones that called me close and brother, they're the ones that are jabbing arrows in our heart. Isn't it true? That, you know, you expect certain people to talk smack about you, but you learn, it's staggering. You learn, my friends said Why? And it just, I, I think of that, and I've, I've said this before from the pulpit, I think that one scene from Braveheart, and I don't know any of those guys' names, Sir Lancelot's names, or any of those things, but I remember where it is in the movie, and you'll remember it too if you've seen Braveheart. If you haven't seen it, well, whatever, I don't want to say. So there's a scene, there's a scene in the movie, and uh, it's two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through, and Braveheart's really chasing this guy, and I think someone's got one of those jousting things or something, and uh, Braveheart gets, you know, it looks like Braveheart's chasing this guy and needs to do away with him because he's clearly a bad guy. And, and you're, you're rooting for Braveheart. Get this bad guy away from Braveheart. And, 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 there, and, and there's this jousting thing, as I remember, or sword thing or something, and Braveheart gets knocked down and uh, really hurt, and the guy must circle back. I might not have the details right, but the, the gist of it I've been right. So circles back, and somehow there's some wrestling or something, and Braveheart rips that guy, that bad guy's uh, helmet. How did we do my friends? Forget the wound that was just inflicted into his body. For, 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 forget it, it, the whole cause and how they were struggling. Such an uphill battle. For when he looked at the man whose helmet was taken off, with his close friend that he had formed an allegiance with, that he thought was going to provide a flank or something that he was counting on to help him. And who instead had taken money and, 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 and a bribe from the bad king and, you know, had, had turned the coat on 
And it's that one, if you, if you ever watch the movie again, it's that it, I'm talking about that one glimpse of Braveheart when, when you know, he's struggling physically from the wound and all, and you know, and just, oh, but yet, you're kidding me. And that's how it can be for us when, when we, work, you know, we're going through some real hard thing and, and, and we think we got a friend, and then we learn that they're talking smack about us. It's like, you're kidding me. Oh. Why am I beating this term? Beating this term to tell you that though that may happen, you have a shepherd. You have a shepherd. He cares for you. It may be your own cause. You may have made the biggest mistake in the book than me. But you know what? Your shepherd would sooner go out and find you Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15, which would be if he had a hundred sheep. 99 come in and one doesn't. He didn't say why that one didn't come in. That one just might have gotten a while here to go chase a rabbit somewhere, done something foolish during the day. We're not told why, but you know what? The shepherd doesn't care. He said, look a lot and look 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 until he finds him. Pick him up, put him on the shoulders and carry Jesus isn't interested in why you're suffering, you know, if you brought it on yourself. He's interested in being your shepherd and, and caring for you and loving on you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You may forsake him. You, you, you may be stupid. You may, may make dumb decisions. As long as your decision isn't this. People say, I wandered into this area that I have to talk to the and a doctor for just a second. We're talking about backsliding for just a second. People say, you believe people can backslide. But I say, yes, I do. You believe they can lose your salvation. Oh, not like you lose your keys, you lose your wallet. I don't believe that. You know, you do that quite accidentally. I do it all. So, on Christ's train, always put your keys slip right here on the sewing machine cabinet, and then you won't miss it. Put your wallet on top of your dresser, and then you won't miss it. In the very minute, I give up. Once or twice a month, I'd say, I want to give you $5. She'd be up to find my wallet. She'd find it in about 30 seconds. The main thing is usually in the same old places that I'm just too big. Anyway, uh, I don't think you can lose your salvation like that. They say, well, how do you, what do you mean then? I say, well, when you, uh, and with the context of making dumb decisions now, God still love on you and find you. In the context of when I ask you, Brother Jason, is Jesus Lord of your life? Do you still love him? I'm not asking you if you've gone to Sunday school every day or last year. I'm not asking you if you, if you memorized three verses of the Bible last week. I'm not asking you, you know, deep Christian questions. I'm just saying, are you counting on Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life? If your answer is yes, I'm counting on Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, well then you haven't backslidden. You might be in terrible condition. You might be making dumb decisions one after the other. But I believe you're still saved. And Jason, you believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life? I know better, and I'm not making them. I have to say, no, he's not Lord and Savior of my life. And I have to respect him and say, regardless of what your theology says about what's saved, God will say, whatever, I don't want to have to speak to Dave right now this morning, or regardless of what your salvation says, I have to say, you're probably right. You need to know that, I heard a preacher once say, it's better to be living in the suburbs of hell facing heaven than it is to be living in the suburbs of heaven. In other words, it's your direction. You, you might be 
When you're a Christian, I think sometimes that is false uh, or, or errant um, ideal of what being a Christian is. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Compared to God, we're so messed up. There's none righteous, no, no one. You see, the, the guy who wrote that was, had his act pretty together. Had a ton of the Old Testament committed to memory. He said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he said, there's none righteous, no, not even one. All the other sheep have gone astray. And he says, no matter how far you are, live in the suburbs of hell, if you're facing heaven, God wants better for you than living in the suburbs of hell. I'm not just saying relax and party in the suburbs of hell. But I'm telling you, God's in the rescue business. He's in the loving business. He's in the shepherding business. And he will take care of you. He will love you. When all friends turn their backs on you, he will always be there. And back to my brother Steve, even if I don't, I don't know, so I can't go into the details of what burned out between him and Jess, but you know, even if your own spouse turns against you, God loves you. He wants the best for you. He'll take care of you. He's looking for you. He's picking you up and putting you on his shoulders. And you can't walk me. I love the little poem that's been worn out a little bit, but now I saw a Bible version that I love again. No poem about footprints in the sand. And it's either Bible version, by the way, I'll tell you the Bible version. He's had people. So, yeah, we can see my kids. So, so, yeah, first of all, I'll remind you of footprints in the sand. I had a dream one night. I saw two sets of footprints, and, you know, then I noticed that when I was having a real hard time in my life, that it was only one set of footprints. And so, uh, uh, and then when it was going good again, with two footprints again. So I asked the Lord, Lord, why don't you me when there was only one set of footprints on those difficult times? And the Lord said to me, my I did not, my child, I did not leave you. Those are the times when I picked you up and carried you through the difficult times. And then I kind of back, get back to the first walking. So the new, so we're all used to that one. So the new one, I saw swimming around on Facebook or the internet. Someone said, you know, I have dreamed and I saw two sets of footprints and and uh, once in a while with one set. And then once in a while it was one set with a uh, with a long drag mark, with a long mark in the same next to one set. That happened with three or something like that, And I said to Lord, what's that? He said, Well, that bottom line is that's why I dragged you. In other words, you, you may need to be carried so much and eventually you just need to be dragged through the situation. And those are those are your heel marks from being dragged by the Lord through a difficult situation. Just a cute little change to that. Uh, the point is that even if he has to drive us, he'll drive us, he'll carry us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to uh, forsake us. Uh, he's always with us. You know, yesterday we watched that memory uh, in the room with her. Barry told us it was hopeless. Uh, medically hopeless. We prayed for faith, believing, and asking God for a miracle. That didn't happen. We also prayed that God would give us strength to deal with whatever did happen. And uh, I need to tell you that uh, even in that valley of the shadow of death, there's no need to fear you have. The, the enemy is not notorious anymore. Oh, death, uh, oh, great, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sin? You know, it hurts, it's hard. But we know that that is not the end, uh, the end of the end. One day, should the Lord carry each of us will be in the room somewhere, and we will pass from this life to this. 
does not need to be feared. It is, it is hard. It gets, it, it requires our complete attention. It will affect those that have been left behind much more than those who go. But we have this assurance, even in that situation, the Lord is with us to comfort us. Just a day or two before yesterday, I met this guy online, and uh, he told a long story short is he had a brother that was murdered, and uh, he held his brother when his brother was dying. They were teenagers, late teenagers, 18, 19 years old. And his, his brother said, uh, Raymond, what's happened? Raymond said, Why are you dying? Lie down. Give me a shot, buddy. Lie down. And what about? I know. Sorry. Um, they're Christian boys. And uh, so we lay down. And uh, it became obvious in a matter of moments that Maxine was in it. And uh, the one older brother, the one older brother, that didn't really know what to say, he was crying and he was mad. And then his brother who was dying said this. I should have printed the email. I should have printed the thing and posted it. He said, and my brother uh, looked up. He very much like Stephen in the book of Acts. And the point of being stoned. He said, that the whole, his whole house changed. And he said, Jesus? Jesus, is that you? Is that you, Jesus? And then he died. And so, you know, we don't grieve, as Paul said in this line, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, as Paul points out. We grieve knowing that a loss is temporary, and that their gain is eternal, and that uh, someday we will see them. All right. Look at verse 5. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies to anoint my head with oil, my cup overflow. The point I want to remind us of from this verse is we will have enemies. When you become a Christian, you almost signed up for double. You will have an but God will keep you as uh, you keep your mind and your heart stayed on Him. Take it to the side of the Bible. I will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind and heart is stayed on you, even to the point of overflowing with blessing. You know, your enemies are going to be your enemies. They're going to hurt you, they're going to harm you. We've got Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that have enemies, uh, religious enemies, or enemies of their hearts and souls of Christianity, and uh, will they kill them? Today, thousands, and I know this is hard to believe. Today, many Christians are going to be killed for one reason or another. Thank God we don't have to have that in, a, in our lives. But we will have enemies, and the Lord will take care of us, even through it. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will go on the house of the Lord forever. Every day, every trial, will be met with God's goodness and God's mercy. You see, those are what the world would call trump cards. The devil can put on you who he wants. And I want you to remember, you heard the hero that I taught, that you learned that no matter what comes on you, goodness and mercy will follow you. Your shepherd is able to frost any cake the devil gives you with goodness, with mercy. Just be a good sheep. Don't be a freak out sheep. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be a sheep that starts barring, wanting to run away and run off a cliff. You go draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. They will take care of you. It's promise. Uh, he will do it. He has this hope, this promise of ever abiding with him in his house. As much as I like earth, my walk, and I'll be honest, I think he likes it too. It comes with its bumps and its bruises and its uh, rough and bounds. But we like to call it home. We like the green trees, the green grass, the blue lakes, the blue sky. We like the friends that we got, even though sometimes they're as obnoxious as we are ourselves. For a little scary chance of death because it's unknown. But know this the place that God has prepared for us, make this. I heard someone describe heaven and hell this way once. You know, he said, uh, Heaven is so glorious that it makes where we are now seem like hell. And hell is so terrible it makes this place where we seem like hell. Um, you know, heaven is an awesome, awesome place that I can't even begin to describe. But it's awesome. You like this place? You're going to love that place. Amen. You know, I think. Somehow, uh, we could pray for Perry to come back. And the Lord said, You know, to carry, you know, they're praying for you to come back, and I've got a soft spot in my heart, so uh, I'll leave it up to you. Hmm. He's a soft to carry. Yeah. If she's healthy, you know, it's a beautiful place to go. I can't imagine what it would be like. To be one of these proud, atheist, agnostic people, not trying to pick on them or call them names or not here to defend themselves. But of all the things, okay, maybe on earth, whatever, they get the way they get philosophize everything. But what a desperately sad thing to face the finality of life, believing that when the lights go out, the lights go out. When you go away, I'm never going to see you again. When I go away, you're never going to see me. It's not the truth, it's a pitiful lie of the devil and a very sad, uh, a very sad philosophy. And thankful to God that you know, he designed it the way he designed it. He even designed it that you know, the Sadducees, for instance, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They, they don't, they don't think it's so They didn't believe in the resurrection. Why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? Jesus Christ beat them all over the resurrection. You know, you know. He's a good sheep. Allow the, allow the Lord to be the shepherd that he wants to be. Father God, I pray that you would bountifully bless and iron into our spirits the truth of, of this wonderful son. And just help us to be loved sheep. Help us to understand that we can try as hard as we want, but at the end of the day, we can totally rely on you for all good things. And we will give you the honor Thank